And, and I think that's part of the beauty right now of mobile home parks in general, but particularly of tenant owned mobile homes because they're not, they're not moving, right? So there's not, this, there's not this influx of people leaving and acquiring new tenants and you, know, you might have a month of, of, of unpaid rents. These people, they own their homes. So they're always gonna pay their, their tenants. So in terms of, of having a steady cash flow, mobile home parks, I, I can't think of an asset that, that gets better than that, right? Where, where you have tenant-owned uh, properties. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee, and my guest today is Eloy Ritana. Welcome, Eloy. Hey, thank you, Annette. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am excited to have you. We've been friends on Facebook for a while, and I've seen your progress and, you know, all the work that you're doing, and it's excited to have you here. And also, we met two years ago in Denver, and, you know, we've been trying to, to get together for a while, and it's always, you know, challenging, and the pandemic didn't help as well. Uh, but yeah, I do remember that, yeah. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Eloy. He's a passionate real estate investor, author of the book, The Three Top Reasons to Invest in Mobile Home Parks, and the host of the Savvy Mobile Home Park Investor Podcast. He's currently investing in 113 apartments and mobile home units while also investing in his ongoing education, both through top-notch courses and through personal mentorship with the two of the industry leaders Brian Ellis and Adam Adams. Eloy educates why current, currently during the pandemic, mobile home parks have outperformed all other real estate asset classes and why he considers them a safer asset to be investing uh, in these uncertain times. That is amazing. I would love to know more about that. So, but let's start with how did you get into real estate? Well, I, I took a class about 20 years ago. Um, I'm an IT manager by trade, but I, I, I've always had a, um, uh, well, I've always wanted to be involved in real estate. So, you know, back then, the only things, you know, I, the only things you knew about were either you can flip homes or you can buy rentals, right? Those are the two things that everybody thinks about when you, when you think about uh, uh, investing or, or uh, real estate investing. So, um, I started reading books on, on uh, how to acquire rentals and, and uh, I ended up with uh, purchasing a, a course on lease options, right? So I started down the road of, of acquiring uh, properties via lease option. Uh, so I started, I started acquiring my portfolio on single family homes about 20 years ago. Uh, but right around that time, you know, the, the IT industry was just kind of blowing up, right? Out, out here in, in Denver, Colorado, where I live. So rather than focus on my real estate, I decided to focus on my IT career. It's one of those things I wish I, I could take back, right? But at that time, I decided to focus on my IT career as a primary thing and kind of my real estate took a back seat. But yeah, it's been about 20, 20 plus years. Wow. And so how did you get back into it? 
Well, after, you know, like many people in 2008, uh, I lost everything. I, I had built up this nice little estate through my uh, IT career and my 401k. And, and in 2008, you know, it's almost seemingly overnight. It's, it's all gone, right? So I had to kind of take a step back and, and kind of figure out, well, you know, what is it that I'm trying to, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish here, right? Because obviously the stock market is not, it seems like it's too risky, it's too volatile, and you can lose everything, right, overnight. Well, uh, that's when I started taking a look, a second look at my real estate because I still had some properties, and I'm like, well, why don't I, this, this real estate works, why don't I just keep building on that, right, and doing more of it? Um, and so that's kind of, it, it all happened because of what happened in 2008, pretty much. Wow. And what was the thing that made you change from single family to mobile yeah, that happened later, uh, probably probably around 2015 or 16. That's when I met my my uh, partner, my friend and partner now through through of all things and that salsa dancing. <laughs> we were part of the salsa dancing community out here in, in Denver, and uh, you know, Steve and I became friends. And you know, and and he told me he was a flipper right down in Colorado Springs, and I'm and I was like, you flip homes? And he said, yeah, like. I've been meaning to get into some of that myself. So we just became friends through real estate. And he had gone through uh, underwriting training with uh, Anthony Chara and his team out here in, in Denver. And uh, in one of these conversations, him and I sat down and he, you know, he asked me, hey, are you interested in, in, uh, in going big and, and doing apartments? You know, and that was the first time, that was the first time I had ever heard of such a thing. I had never heard of doing apartments, right? So when he when he brought it up to me i was like all right whatever i mean i don't have millions of dollars to go buy apartments right so that was my that was my first reaction to to multifamily right uh but then he he said no 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 no. look we what we do is we, we seek out we seek out a deal and then we seek out private uh um private money to try to raise money from private from private uh, sources to uh to to land the deal and, you know, it made sense, but I thought, well, I don't know. But right around that time, uh, I met Adam Adams. Um, I started going to his meetups out here in uh, Denver. And he was telling, you know, he was saying pretty much the same things, right? Uh, you know, why, why limit yourself to single family? You can accomplish your goals a lot quicker if you team up, you know, with like-minded people. And everybody picks a, a, a something that they're good at, right? He, he would he would describe it in terms of wearing a hat, right? Everybody wears a hat. You know, uh, somebody can wear the acquisition hat. Somebody can do the investor relations hat. Somebody can do the asset management hat. But everybody's focused on um, on, on the deal, right? But in, in their respective skill. So that made sense to me, right? So that made sense to me. And then I told Steve, hey, uh, I said, okay, let's. This sounds reasonable to me. Let's let's go look for an apartment. Absolutely. And that's how we can actually met, right? I was at the event. Uh, big shout out to Adam. Adam, he's yeah. an amazing coach. I work with him. You work with him. And, you know, he, he has an amazing community as well. The Deal. All right. So uh, let's get into the deal. So what deal are we talking about today? Well, uh, one thing I failed to mention is how we how we switched over to mobile homes. Oh, yeah. Mobile home park, right? 
Right. So we started, we started down the road of apartments and then uh, we naturally, we started to look for something here in Denver and everything was just so overpriced. So we started to look, you know, further South in the Colorado Springs and down in Albuquerque and Tucson, Arizona and markets where we were more familiar because we have family there, but everything was just overpriced that we couldn't find something. So we decided to kind of, uh, pick out markets, uh, that were a little bit further from us. And we, we liked, uh, for example, we liked Kansas city. We liked Orlando, Florida. And so we just started, you know, uh, making phone calls, right, to, to all the local uh, brokers out in, in these markets. We figured it was going to take us about a year to find something. And 13 months later, almost to the day, uh, Steve calls me and he says, hey, I think I got something. I'm like, okay. I was, so I was expecting an apartment, right, because we were looking for apartments. And he says, I, I found a mobile home park. And my first, my first reaction was like, no, <laughs> a trailer park. How do we go from looking for an apartment to finding a trailer park? My, I was like against it, right? Not knowing anything. And uh, he said, look at these numbers. Look at this, look at this, look at this deal. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, this is, I mean, this is really, really good. Cause we have been looking, you know, like I said, for, for over a year. Um, and I said, I tell you what, let me, Give me 10 days. Let me bury myself in, in books and, and podcasts. And let me, let me learn as much as I can about mobile home parks as I can, you know, in, in a week. Uh, and that's what I did. Uh, every, every podcast that I can get my hands on, every audio book, everything. Um, at the end of that week, I came to the realization that not only were mobile home parks the right asset for us as a, as a team looking for their first deal, uh, but it was timely, right? There was, uh, there was a lot of talk of, uh, of economic unrest, uh, you know, a real estate crash. I mean, who knows? But it seemed like, it seemed like a, a, a wise move to be invested in, in, uh, in, uh, in mobile home parks at that time. So I'll tell you about our first deal. Because uh, it's... Uh, Absolutely. I think that's Let's talk about the first deal. <laughs> yeah, near, near and dear to my heart, our very first deal in, in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Oh, that's near, near to me. That's awesome. Yeah, that's Let me ask you something. In mobile homes, do you still have the classic asset classes like A, B, C, and D, or it's different? I mean, they do describe it. Yeah, they do describe it, you know, C and B class. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that's true. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't described it in those terms. We, we look, when we go looking for mobile home parks, uh, what we're looking for is uh, poorly managed uh, mom and pop operations where they haven't uh, they haven't raised the rents in forever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and in, in in general, but particularly in the state of Florida, there's a lot of mom and pop operations, right? Uh, a lot of operations where there's um, the you know seventies and eighty year olds they, they've they've owned these mobile home parks forever, right? And they they probably own them free and clear. So, but they don't have any, they don't have any money to fix the place up, right? So, and they don't sell because it's a source of income for them, right? They just don't have the money to fix the place up. So, those are opportunities that we look for, and this is what we found out in Cape Canaveral. The the uh, the woman who had uh, owned the property, it was a small property, it was 15 units. She had owned it for 27 years, and then before she passed on, so she and her daughter inherited the property. 
And a year into owning the property, the, the daughter realized that she, she didn't understand the asset. She didn't want anything to do with it. She didn't have the money to fix the place up. So, you know, we, uh, through the broker that we had um, built a relationship with, he said, hey, you know, this is an opportunity for a small team like you guys to land, you know, a, a small deal. And we thought it was a great idea. The numbers look great. And um, yeah, so we paid 670 for it. It was a 15-unit park. Um, we, in order to, um, to finance it, we used the bridge lender uh, out there in Florida. I forget his name, um, but it, so we used uh, bridge lending to, um, to acquire the park. And then we raised a little bit of money from our friends and, uh, our, and our family who had been waiting for us to, to do a deal. Um, but the, the basic game plan there was to, um, uh, we did a couple of things. Once we took over, we, we send out a note to, uh, to all the, uh, the tenants because the tenants, so here's one of the things about mobile home parks that, that's kind of unique is that the mobile homes themselves, they could be owned by the tenants or they could be owned by the, by the park itself, right? So ideally what we want to do is we want to we uh, own just the property, but we don't want to own the mobile homes themselves, right? And not every case, every, every case is different, but our goal at the end of the day, when we acquire a park, in this case, we this park, uh, all 15 units were uh, owned by the tenants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, other parts that we've acquired, the, the, the mobile homes are owned um, by the park or some of them at least. So, so we would sell those. Right. Uh, but at the end what's of the, the reason you don't want to own, for people that don't know are not familiar with uh, mobile homes, why don't you want to own the mobile homes? Well, yeah. So one, because we don't have to maintain them. Right, the, the the burden of the maintenance is put on the owner of the mobile home, and then we don't have to carry insurance on them, right? So if we just have the lot rent and we just charge them the lot rent, you know, then then they would they are responsible for the maintenance and upkeep of the mobile home itself because they they own it, right? Now, not every not every deal is the same. Uh, we we just acquired a property that we're about to close on where we decided to fix the we decided to fix up all the units. We're going to rehab all the units. And then there's a couple of empty spots where we are going to drop in brand new ones. Um, and we're just going to rent all of them out just because the numbers made sense to just keep them and rent them out. Now in five or 10 years down the road, we, we might, it might make more sense to sell the units, right? And just collect lot rent. But in terms of this first deal, uh, this first deal, all of the homes um, were owned by the tenants, except for the, there was a duplex that was on the property, which, which is owned by the park. Right. Uh, and that we're responsible for. Right. We have to do the upkeep and maintenance and carry the insurance on those. But one of the things that we did is that, you know, um, we established new rules because that part had no rules. Right. Because the, the lady who had owned it, she, she had brought in a lot of her friends and they were paying like two hundred dollars a month for lot rent. Right. So they, the, the, there was an opportunity there to bring the, the, the lot rents up to market. What was um, the market? What was the market rent for a lot like that? About five hundred at that okay. time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it was a there was a big disparity there, right, between what they have been paying for years and what it actually should be. So we don't, you know, we don't want to be jerks. We don't, we don't want to be jerk landlords, and that we're just going to raise the rent from two hundred up to five hundred. We want to, we want to do gradual, small increases to be fair to the tenants over a course of, you know, five years. But one of the things that we, we did do from, from day one is that we established new rules, you know, like you gotta get rid of the, you gotta get rid of the, the Rottweilers and the, and the pit bulls. You know, I love dogs too, but the insurance doesn't cover those, right? 
Um, so I just I just like, had an episode with somebody talking about insurance. So if you guys are listening, make sure to look up that episode with um, Isaac because we talk about all these insurance contingencies that you want to make sure that you know because you don't want to be exposed. Exactly. Exactly. That that and and uh, you know we we. We uh, part of the rules is that every homeowner has to apply a fresh coat of paint to the exterior of their mobile home, right? Because just that that park in particular was part of a, a large. Of, it was part of a, a group of mobile home parks in, in that area that were kind of that were close together. And as you drive down the front of that Cape Canaveral, what you would see as you drive the front of all these mobile home parks is you see all these clean, well kept well-manicured lawns. And then you go to the end of it, of that block where our park was, and it, it, these, these mobile homes were run down. They looked like crap. The, I mean, it was, it was night and day. So it was like, okay, what do we do here? We, we, want, we want our park to look like these parks, right? Well-kept, front coat of paint, well-manicured you know, uh, lawns. So that was, that was the plan is like, we're just gonna clean this place up and we're gonna build something and establish some new rules. And um, that's what we did. So a year and a half later, uh, here we are, and we're about to refinance on that property. We paid six, make sure I remember, six, we paid 670,000 for it. And we, our latest appraisal is at $1.2 million. So that's gonna allow us to refi out of the property and, and get our friends and uh, our investor friends, right? Their, their, their initial investment back. So they're excited. We're all excited about it. And that's a very short time as well, right? You know, the refinancing a year. And yeah, a half. we figured it was 18 months. It was the goal. And that's, uh, so that, that'll be 18 months in, uh, in June. In June. So we're excited about that. Excellent. And so 670,000, that's, uh, you know, 15 lots. That was 44,000. But I think you said that you added more. What's that? I, Did you add more to this park? No, we didn't. No, so it was fifteen. So it was thirteen mobile homes and then a duplex. Okay. Yeah, okay. So a total of fifteen. So a total of fifteen units. Yeah. I mean, compared to apartments, you know, you're looking at at least a hundred thousand with an apartment versus you know you're buying this for forty thousand. Yeah, and I well, I got to tell you now that you know, as you know, being from Florida, it's getting tougher and tougher to find deals because of, of just the the numbers of people moving into the state. I mean, that's exciting, right? It, it's one of the reasons we chose Florida, is that there's a large number of people uh, moving into Florida, right? There's there's population growth and there's a lot of uh, 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 economic growth, but if, who would have known that COVID would have happened and all of a sudden, you know real estate prices in Florida in general would just kind of skyrocket, right? So, I know. It's, you, you would think that there was going to be an economic crash, but it went, in Florida, it went the other way. Yeah. Everybody from other states wanted to move to Florida and, you know, there's scarcity of uh, properties and, you know, it's, yeah. the prices are going up. All right. So yeah. let's, let's digest this a little bit. How did you find the property? I know you, you mentioned that you know, it was a relationship with a broker, but how did you establish this relationship and for them to send you the deal? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, well, given that we had no track record, you know, it was, it was, we, we just have to, we have, we have to keep calling and keep calling back, right? If, if, if you're a new, uh, if you're trying to get started on, in this business, uh, the one takeaway I, I would give you is don't, don't give up, uh, keep calling back, uh, keep following up, right? You can't just, you can't just call once and they've got to get hung up on and then just throw your hands up and quit. 
you gotta you gotta prove to them that you're for real and that you, that you that you want to deal right. So, like I said, we figured it was gonna take us about a year uh, of just being on the phone, just trying to trying to land that first deal right. And it, finally, finally, we had we found somebody who was willing to work with us um, out here in, in Central Florida, and it, it just worked out. So we've we've uh, we built a relationship with him, and we've closed uh, another two deals since then. Uh, in the same area, Cape Canaveral, Daytona Beach. That's going to be like our little area. We just love that whole Space Coast, mm-hmm. inter- you know, south and in and around and to the north end of the Space Coast. Um, that's going to be a little niche, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, and then as time goes on, we might, you know, we're thinking of expanding into Georgia and, uh, and uh, North Carolina or South Carolina. That's good. And so how often would you... Um contact a broker, you know, like when you don't have a track record and you want to get in the door, you know, how often do you call them so that you're not annoying, but that they are on top of their mind as well? Well, at the beginning, at least every couple of weeks. I mean, you don't want to be annoying, but I mean, you're going to be annoying. They, they, they're going to, they, they get, they, they get probably 30 calls a day from, from you guys, right. Trying mm-hmm. to land the first deal. And, you got to figure out a way to kind of separate yourself from the bunch. Mm-hmm. And one of those ways is to not give up, right? Just keep calling. Hey, I'm still here. I'm still looking for a deal. Um, uh, you know, I have a very unique name, so it, you're not going to forget it easy, right? Um, so uh, that's that's what I would suggest. You got to keep calling back. Um, you don't want to call every day, right? You don't want to be super right. annoying. But you, you, wanna, you definitely want to stay front of mind. Um, and it could take you months and months and months of doing that, right? And then eventually they're going to say, okay, let's see what you can do with the smaller deal. Let's see if you can close it, right? Because that's the big fear that a lot of these brokers have is that they toss you a deal and then you can't close it. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Um, they are probably going to pick somebody else before you at the beginning because they don't want to have the risk of not, not closing. Yeah. He even told us, even to, after we closed that first deal, he's like, man, because I didn't, I didn't think you guys were going to be able to close. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was great to hear that, we, you know, we, we actually closed and since then we've done more deals. All right. So let's talk about the financing. So you mentioned that you have a combination there. You used your own money and then you also had some investor money. Um, and let's also talk about how to finance a mobile home park. Is it the same as multifamily? Let's talk about that. Well, we, uh, so we raised a little bit of money. We, we paid at 12%, I think it was, don't quote me out. I think it was 12% on the, on the bridge loan, right? So it wasn't going to be a loan that we were going to want to stay uh, on, you know, for 30 years. It was just a matter of acquiring um, the, the property with the bridge loan. Um, and then the idea was, was going to be that let's, let's, let's fix the place up. Let's, uh, let's pave the road. And let's, let's just do all these little things to improve the, the, uh, um, the value of, of the mobile home park so that it's worth a lot more. You know, we slowly start raising those rents up. Um, so we raised, what did we raise? We raised 380 uh, on that first deal, right? Um, what else can I tell you about it? Um, I told you we paid 12% for the for the bridge loan. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of how we did it. Okay, and um, so now you have the property, you are, improving the value by raising the rents and improving the, the aesthetics of the property. And now you're at the refinance point. Um, what do they look at when they are, you know, when you're looking at a longer term um, financing? 
uh, is it just the rents or is it comparable? How does it work? Well, yeah, there was a combination of, but ultimately what, what our lender is looking at is, is 12 months of steady cash flow, right? And, and I think that's part of the beauty right now of mobile home parks in general, but particularly of tenant-owned mobile homes because they're not, they're not moving, right? So there's not, this, there's not this influx of people leaving and acquiring new tenants and you, know, you might have a month of, of, of unpaid rents these people, they own their homes. So they're always going to pay their, their tenants. So in terms of, of having a steady cash flow, mobile home parks, I can't think of an asset that, that gets better than that, right? Where, where you have tenant-owned uh, properties. So the, the, our lender is looking for 12 months of steady uh, uh, cash flow. Right. And, and uh, also, and I think, you know, because it's not that easy or cheap to move the mobile home, even though it's a mobile home, people tend to stay longer probably, right? Uh, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, it could cost upwards of, you know, four to five grand to move. And even if you remember, we're, we're slowly raising the rent. So if somebody says, hey, I'm gonna, I'm not happy here because you raised my rents, I'm gonna move my, I'm gonna move my home. Everywhere they go, they're all, they're automatically gonna pay market because that's what the, that's what the rest of the parts are charging, right? So it doesn't make sense for somebody to just, pack up and leave. The other thing too about mobile homes is that some of these, some of these traders are so old, right, that you can't move them. Not only will the city, not only will the city not let you move them, uh, they won't give you their permits, but the insurance, the insurance won't cover you, right? Because chances are, if you try to move, you know, a trailer from, you know, late 1970s or early 80s, chances are it's going to fall apart when you move it, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, all you can do, all the, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, it, it's a risk for them to move it, um, and it's expensive. Like even if you raise a hundred dollars, then they are gonna pay four thousand to move it. That doesn't make sense. They are gonna. Stay. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, and, and they're gonna end up paying more somewhere else. Okay, so in terms of the lot, when you have a lot, what do you have to pro to provide on that lot? It's probably like a concrete pad, and what what else do you provide? I, I miss I miss that question. Ask it again. In terms of the, the space, right? You, you rent the lot, you rent the space on your park. What do you have to provide? I'm assuming electrical, sewer, a concrete pad. Correct, the, the infrastructure, right? Um, so we, we're responsible for the hookups up, uh, right, up to the, uh, 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 right up to the unit. So that's the other thing too, is that um, if you're looking to get into mobile home parks, the other thing you have to keep in mind is, you know, private utilities versus, you know, uh, public utility, right? Some parks will have, um, you know, subsystems and, and water wells. And at the beginning, I wasn't okay with the septic system. I just thought, hey, let's just do public everything because that's just the simplest. But, uh, you know, Steve, who he had done new builds, so and out here in Colorado, out in the middle of nowhere in, in the forest. So he was familiar with septic systems and, and water wells and that sort of thing. So he was 100% comfortable with that, that stuff. Right. So I mean, that it, it comes down to your experience with it, right? Like if you have experience with it, you will feel comfortable. Exactly. And I didn't, right? I had never, I had never worked with septic systems. I was like, oh man, what, what? I don't want to touch that. <laughs> but it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of understanding what you're getting yourself into and, and understanding, you know, that you're, you are responsible for those. And, you know, it's just, you know, we don't walk away from a deal just because it has a septic system or a water well. There, there's some deals to be had for sure. Awesome. All right. So what's your exit strategy for this 
part? Well, I, well, we're going to refi. That's the first thing. But I, I, I'm a ball. I'm a buy and hold guy. I want to keep these things forever because I'm all about cash flow, right? I'm, I, lo- I love the idea of building out a, a cash flowing asset and then at some point, you know, being able to quit your job and, and being able to live off of the income, right? So uh, I want to keep it forever. But, you know, down the road, 10, 15 years, if somebody makes us a great offer, then what, you know, you would at least consider it, right? So, Absolutely. yeah, we want to keep this one. Yep. All right. And what about management? For what, the, about what? For the, what about management for the park? Do you need a full-time manager? Do you hire a maintenance guy? How do you manage an asset like this? Well, yeah, no, that's a great point because as, as you know, in, in, the, in terms of multifamily in general, uh, having a good property manager can make or break your deal, right? And we got lucky that uh, we found a great property manager who actually, uh, he manages, remember I was telling you that there was this, these, all these parks right on this block. Mm-hmm. He manages all those, all those, uh, all those parks as well. So when we went to, when we did our due diligence on our park, we one of the things we wanted to do is to talk to, to our neighbor's property manager, right? And we said, hey, um, would you would you be interested in managing our park? We love what you did with these parks that you manage, you know, keeping them clean and well manicured and all that. So he's been great. He's, uh, you know, being that we're out here in Denver. Uh, we also, he's also our scout, right? So when we find, when we hear about good deals and we're underwriting a good deal, we say, hey, Bill, do you mind going out to such, such and such part of town and checking out this park and just tell us what you think, right? So he's been, he's been a godsend for us, right? And if he says, hey, I, I don't like this park because of this or that, I think you should walk away, you know, that means a lot to us, right? Absolutely. Whereas if he says, hey, I, I, you know, I like this park, I think there's an opportunity here, um, I think you guys should go for it. That means a lot to us too, right? So he's been our he's been our our feet on the ground out there, and you know we love it. Awesome. Productivity hack. All right. So now I'm going to ask you your productivity hack. What is that one thing that you have implemented in your business that is taking you to the next level? You know, we recently acquired, uh, a, we purchased a, 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 a investor portal software called EquityTree.io. Um, we were good friends with uh, Katarina and, uh, and Dylan uh, out, out there in Tampa, and uh, we love their product. It was reasonably priced, you know, you know, for us, and we thought this is exactly what we need. We need we need a place to have, to be able to collect all of our. Uh, documents uh, for our investors, but not only that, being able to have a place where our investors can go and look up, you know, reports and, and, and run KPIs and that sort of thing. Uh, and again, some of these portal softwares that we looked at, they're very, very expensive. And, and you know, if we were, if we were, if we had a hundred million dollars worth of uh, assets, those software might make sense. But being that we're just buying smaller mobile home parks, right, that's our niche. Uh, we needed to find something that was a little bit more uh, reasonable, reasonably priced, but still delivered uh, a lot of the good tools. So we're pretty happy with it. And that's been a game changer for us, not only in terms of uh, productivity, because we don't have to collect the stuff on Dropbox and keep trying to keep track of everything. Everything is in the portal. So from a productivity hack point of view, it's been, it's been great. Um, yeah, so we love it. And the funny part is um, our team also uses the same software. So... It's amazing. You know, it looks so professional to our investors. And like you said, you have one place where you have all the information. 
So now it, it, does, it, does, it does a lot of great things for your credibility too, right? As if, yeah. you're, if you're growing, if you're small, you want to build your credibility and that, that, that tool is a great way to do it. Absolutely. Expert tips. All right. Now is the part of the show where Eloy is going to share three expert tips with us. And he's going to share three expert tips on due diligence on a mobile home park. Yeah, so one of the things that we uh, that we're very careful on, and I would I would uh, if you're looking to get into the space, you want to pay extra careful to the due diligence on this park, and something that that that's a little unique to mobile home parks that you might not get with the multifamily is, first of all, you got to do a phase one uh, inspection, right? Uh, you want you want to know what's underground. Uh, you, you don't want to find out that you know 60, 70 years ago there was a a gas station, right? And they never removed that big tank. And all of a sudden you've got a, a hazard there that you're, it's going to cost you a fortune to repair. So you want to make sure you do that. Uh, the other thing too, it, and, I, and I briefly touched on it, was you want to be familiar with both the um, septic systems and, and the, uh, uh, the private utilities in general, right? So the septic systems and the water wells, right? Um, not every, ideally, yes, it would be awesome if you can acquire a park that has all public utilities, that's, that's super. But that's not always the case, right? Especially the further inland you go into Florida, uh, it's harder to find the public utilities. So, you, but, you know, there's tons of water wells. Uh, does that mean you walk away from the deal if, if there's a water well? No, not at all, right? You just have to understand that you, you are responsible for the maintenance and the upkeep. So you want to make sure that who the prior owner, that they were doing that. So you want to you make sure to ask for the records. Um, and the maintenance records for your septic systems and, and your water wells. So uh, those would be my, my three tips. Water wells, septic systems, and your phase one. Amazing. And sometimes, sometimes investors skip the phase one because it's not a cheap inspection, right? But it could cause you a lot more trouble than just spending the money on doing the study. Exactly. It, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that you, if, if you find out later that you, that you should have done it, it's going to cost you a fortune to, to try to fix it later. You might as well spend the money and do things right the first time. Absolutely. All right, Lloyd, thank you so much for being here. How can people find you online? Well, you can go to partnerwithapex.com to keep up with what we're doing to join our list, or you can text me at great. Right here. <laughs> if you want to read my free book, just type in free book to 474747 and uh, you'll join my VIP list and you can, keep in, you can keep track with what we're doing. And if you want to work with us and partner with us, that'd, that'd be great too. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you are watching this video or listening to the podcast and you are enjoying this, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download iTunes or any all the, all the other platforms where the podcast is um, streaming right now. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Anna. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.